Good morning, Vox. On this cold weekend in Austin, where I really wish we could all be together, but I'm speaking to you from my house where my daughter and I are being extra cautious this weekend following some COVID exposure at her school. So much love to all of you there at Vesper or watching online. And huge thanks to our Vox tech team, who week after week, you continue to be so creative about helping us all connect with one another. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it's really good to be with you this second Sunday of the new year. And our text for today invites us into a conversation about fear. So very on theme. And I hope today to offer us some helpful practices for when we're feeling fear. So fear, anxiety, tension, overwhelm, those bodily sensations, we're hardwired as human beings to hate feeling. And going into this new year, we may have good reason to feel fearful. I heard someone say 2022 sounds like 2022. <laughs> but I think it's probably more likely this next year will just give us completely new things to feel afraid of, things we can't even imagine right now. And I remember feeling some anxiousness the week between Christmas and New Year's. And I don't know if it helped or hurt, but I watched Death to 2021. I said afterwards, it felt like going to a haunted house and therapy at the same time. <laughs> Mostly, it was a reminder that each new year brings something new to fear, and it's rarely the thing we would have predicted. And these days, across the U.S., surveys tell us the majority of us are living with some form of fear or anxiety on a daily basis, and it takes a toll on us. It taxes us mentally, physically, relationally. Fear is our body's natural way of signaling danger. Fear tells us there's something in our environment we should be paying attention to, some threat somewhere that we should be trying to neutralize or distance ourselves from. And at the same time, there are some fears we simply can't predict or escape. We can only learn to walk through them. And our text for today invites us to consider that when that's the case, when we just must walk through fear. Sometimes the only thing that helps, the only thing that makes a difference is finding that we're not alone in it, that God is walking beside us, calling us forward even, perhaps toward the very thing we're afraid of, and comforting us in a felt way when we feel overwhelmed. So my goal for today is to leave us with some helpful images of what that felt comfort might look like in real terms and the difference that might make for us. So because talking about fear can bring up fear, let's maybe start by taking a slow in and out breath together. It can become a helpful way to just be aware of God's presence with us this morning and the love and support surrounding us in this community. And when we're ready, our text for today is Isaiah chapter 43 verses 1 through 3. But now says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, you are mine. So right away we might recognize the first comfort we find here is the idea that God knows when we're afraid. So do not fear means God knows. And I don't believe that the words do not fear are a message that there's anything wrong with how we're feeling, but 
I hear these words as a message of deep empathy of God saying, I know you're fearful because I formed you. I gave you a human body, a nervous system that's going to be on high alert in times like these. And I know you hate feeling that way, but I've got you. I know you by name. I've got you. It's been said the most beautiful sound in the world is the sound of one's own name. And hearing our true name spoken from the lips of someone who loves us, someone we trust, our body responds to that sound. We move toward that person. We're comforted by their presence. And thinking about that reminded me of another film I watched over the holidays. And this was one I was really glad I saw. 14 Peaks is about Nims Perja. He's a mountaineer from Nepal and his Nepali climbing team. And they managed to summit 14 of the world's tallest peaks in just seven months when the previous record had been seven years. And one of the most inspiring parts of this film was the relationship between Nims and the Sherpas on his team. So at one point, some of the climbers were fearful of missing their window for a particular summit that day, but Nims made the hard decision they should stop climbing and turn around risking their deadlines to help a Westerner who was injured on the mountain and his team followed him. Another time, uh, some climbers wanted to stop and turn back because they were fearful of the weather becoming disastrous, but Nims made the hard decision they should keep going and his team followed him. So at every point in the film, we see his team trusted Nims in part because he knew each of them so intimately. And at the beginning of the film, Nims introduces each Sherpa on his team by name, recounting each one's special skill and calling each one his brother. And apparently that's more rare in the climbing world. So here's Nims in his own words. He says, many Westerners receive huge help from their Sherpa. But when they're successful, what I hear most of the time is my Sherpa helped me and that's it. But that's wrong because each Sherpa has a name. What a climber should say is Mingma David helped me or Gesman Tamang helped me. If you do not have a name, it's as if you are a ghost. Nimza's team followed him through their fear, going forward when he saw a window or turning back when he said, no, we have to help this person. And that, that trust was made possible in part because Nims knew each member of his team by name, like so personally, so intimately. But now says the Lord who created you, O Jacob who formed you, O Israel. Do not fear, for I have called you by name. You are mine. So perhaps imagine for a moment the sound of your own name on God's lips. Saying, Jenna, I know you're scared, but I've got you. Olivia, I've got you. Marcos, Joe, Daniel, Way, Harmon, Christopher, David, Hudson, Kelly, Ben, I've got you. I know you by name. I've got you. And notice with me that even though we may hear God calling our name, not every fear is one we must walk through. (laughs) Sometimes God's voice may be calling us from behind to turn around. And other times God may be calling us forward toward the very thing we're afraid of. So let's hold that in mind as we look now at how our text continues. When you Pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. 
fear feels overwhelming in our body and that feeling of overwhelm may make it difficult for us to discern which direction to move or whether or not to even keep going. I was telling someone recently about a dream I had last year and it was a season of fear and uncertainty. I may still be in that season. And in the dream, I was swimming and there was only water in every direction and I was overwhelmed and exhausted and at some point I couldn't keep going and I just stopped and my head, and my head slipped below the surface and I sank. And then surprisingly, I landed on the bottom of the ocean and realized I could breathe and so I just kept walking on the ocean floor. The person I was talking to about the dream thought about it and he said it reminded him of a psychology experiment. So researchers were timing lab rats to see how long they could tread water for. And most rats get exhausted after just a few minutes and they give up. But there was this one subgroup where every few minutes the scientists would lift them up so they could catch their breath and then put them back in the water again. And those rats ended up being able to tread water for a solid three days. The study became foundational for our understanding of the phenomenon of hope and the power of not feeling alone. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. And let's notice that sometimes the felt presence of God will help us not feel overwhelmed so we can keep going. And other times the felt presence of God will help us not feel overwhelmed so we can surrender and just go ahead and let go. And there's a wisdom in knowing which response a moment of fear is calling for. And I want to suggest that contemplative prayer can be a helpful practice for growing in that discernment. And we have a contemplative workshop coming up, and I would encourage Vox friends who are new to the practice to consider trying it. As a community, we've prayed this way together for several years, and I think it is a helpful way to learn to discern God's voice in our fear and which response a moment is calling for. And building that trust that just as God is with us on the surface of the water, God's also with us at the bottom of the sea. So with that in mind, let's look now at how our text wraps up. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Facing our fear, whatever it is, can feel like walking through fire. Everything in our body is saying, this is dangerous. You should not be doing this. <laughs> and yet sometimes we may discern that God is calling us toward the very thing we're afraid of and that it's for our good, our healing, our growth, our maturing. I'm not necessarily suggesting we try this at our next Vox retreat, but a helpful image for us might be the practice of firewalking. Many people and cultures in all parts of the world have practiced walking barefoot over a bed of hot embers or stones as a spiritual practice or a rites of passage, and it's fascinating. Researchers have attempted to explain the phenomenon in various ways. How does a practice that should result in serious injury often defy our expectations? One theory is that firewalkers keep moving so their feet don't remain on any one hot coal long enough to burn, but that doesn't seem to explain it entirely because different cultures perform the walk at different speeds. In Tibet, the walk is slow and dignified. 
whereas Macedonians often perform a dance in the center of the firebed, or sometimes they'll stand or kneel in the center of it. Another theory is that firewalkers step deliberately, and that's what makes a difference. It's the confidence in which one walks. So here, in the words of another researcher, perhaps the best explanation of firewalking is that the immunity to heat is largely owing to the way in which firewalkers place their feet upon the hot coals. It's somewhat analogous to the snuffing out of a candle. In other words, if the foot is placed firmly, the fire immediately under it is momentarily quenched. Thus, each step taken is in effect a temporary snuffing out of a small part of the bed of coals. So perhaps we might find that a helpful image of trust. The trust that we can place our feet down firmly, and sometimes that confidence is what extinguishes the fire. And I also think sometimes we will still get burned, and that may be okay. Imagine you inherited a solid wood antique heirloom passed down through the generations of your family, and each person it came to added a layer of paint or resin to the surface, and now it's yours, and you add your own layer of varnish on top. I think that's what often happens to us as we grow and interact with our families, our teachers, the world around us. We're like pieces of art with layers of paint and varnish, sometimes carefully applied, I think more often sloppily applied to our surface. And it's not that we wanted to cover up who we really are. We may not even be aware there's something beautiful and original underneath all those layers. And even if we wanted to strip it all down, we may be afraid of what we'll find underneath or we may feel fearful of all the scraping and sanding and removing or simply unsure how to go about it or who to trust to help us with it or where to begin. But the fires we walk through, they will do the work for us. They burn away anything on the surface that we don't need and they help make visible what's real and authentic underneath. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. So the next time we find ourselves walking through our fear, a fire we discern God is calling us toward, a fire we can neither avoid nor just race through, perhaps we'll be comforted by this reminder that the fire will only burn away what's on the surface of our lives, the superficiality we don't need that which perhaps no longer serves us. And we can trust that what remains, what's underneath, is original and beautiful and authentic to who we are, to who God created and is forming us to be. Friends, I'm grateful to be walking into another year of fear and uncertainty with you, this beautiful community that's becoming less varnished the more fires we walk through. And God knows our fears, our private and collective ones. God knows the fears we'll face in the coming year, things we can't even imagine right now. As we ease into 2022, may we be comforted to find God walking beside us through our fear and soothing us when we feel overwhelmed. And may we continue to grow in our practice of contemplation so we might discern the direction God is calling us from, and may we help one another step firmly in our fear, snuffing out fires when we're able. And when we can't, 
trusting that God will use it for our good, to reveal in us a reflection of God which is unvarnished, raw and unscorchable. Please pray with me. Loving God, you know how hard it is to be a human with a body. You remember how distressing it is to feel afraid. Help us recognize your voice calling us in our fear to turn around or step forward. And should our path lead into the fire, may we kneel just for a moment to feel you beside us. In the name of God who knows us, Christ who became one of us, and the Spirit who is as close as our next breath. Amen.